We're going shopping for discount clothing on this consumer goods edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly Jr. here from Fool Headquarters in beautiful Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, we're probably going to touch 100 degrees today, so I'm totally staying inside. But uh, today we're talking about discount retail, and I'm joined by a Motley Fool contributor and uh, awesome writer. I hope you guys have read his stuff. Uh, Adam Levine Weinberg. How are you today, Adam? I'm great. How are you? Not too shabby. So you're out there in Chicago right now? I am. How's, uh, how are things in the Windy City? Uh, it's been good. It's actually been pretty chilly out here. Really? Got summer, some yeah. got some cool air breezing in over Lake Michigan there? Yeah. Very good. We'll go Cubbies, huh? Exactly. Very cool. So uh, we're talking about off-price retail, and uh, you know, for our listeners who don't know what that is, we'll define it in a second and talk about that. But uh, it's basically it's not necessarily Amazon.com and you know Google and eBay versus uh, the de- uh, department stores of the world, but it's really off-price retailers like TJ Maxx versus you know Sears and JC and all that. So why is off-price retail so important? And just what are some basic stats for investors? Yeah, so people talk a lot about the uh, the death or the disruption of big box retailers, and usually they're talking about the rise of e-commerce uh, and especially the rise of Amazon.com. And for for some companies like Best Buy, Amazon probably is by far the biggest threat because you have products that you know you don't need to necessarily see it, or even if you you do need to see it in the store, you can go there and get on your Amazon app and order it while you're standing in Best Buy. Yeah, I needed a uh, HDMI cable for my TV, and I just, I knew exactly what I needed. I went to Amazon Tom, I ordered it, two days later I had it, and there's no differentiation at all. Right, and so for department stores, um, Amazon is still a threat, but it isn't the biggest threat. Uh, If you just look at the numbers, Amazon's annual sales uh, surpassed $90 billion worldwide, which is just a huge number. Um, But for clothing and accessories, it's only about 6% of Amazon's total business. Um, They sell a lot more, uh, even in the media sales, which is kind of where they got their start, in books, music, movies, uh, and then a ton in electronics, um, and they're even getting into groceries. But fashion is still a relatively small part of their business, so that's about 5 or $6 billion for them. and part of the reason is that a lot of people do like being able to try on clothing before buying. Not everybody, but uh, it's a big you know, risk, and you don't want to. Yeah, and it's um, it's a risk, and you don't want to pay to return it with shipping and everything. So, yeah, and even if even if the returns are free, it's just a hassle. Um, right. So it's it's just you know it's easier to, to walk in somewhere, um, look at a lot of stuff, and, and pick out a few things. So that obviously so, lends itself to a bull case for you know the big retailers, but uh, obviously they've got some competition coming from TJ Maxx. What kind of stats have we seen there? Yeah, so um, just over the past uh, you know really seven eight years since the the Great Recession, you've seen a huge sea change in the the retail landscape, particularly for clothing and accessories, um, and also home uh, you know goods, whether that's you know, sheets, furniture, et cetera. So if you look back to 2008, uh, Macy's had $26 billion of sales. JCPenney was still up at $20 billion. Um, TJX, which is uh, the biggest off-price retailer, they, they're the ones that own TJ Maxx. They also own Marshalls and Home Goods. They had about $18.5 billion. Uh, and Kohl's is right behind them with $16.5 billion. And at that point, Kohl's was growing very quickly. If you look today, um, TJ Maxx is now, um, TJX is now the biggest uh, company in that whole industry with 
nearly $30 billion of sales. So it's up about 60% um, just in the last uh, seven years or so. Uh, Macy's has basically flatlined. It's up $2 billion, $28 billion. Kohl's, same story, up $2.5 billion to around $19 billion. And meanwhile, JCPenney has lost about a third of its business um, and is down to, to $12.5 billion in sales. Um, and for JCPenney, they're almost getting caught by raw stores, which is a, a smaller off-price chain, but they're already up to $11 billion in annual sales, um, which is up 85% just since 2008. Uh, so there's been a huge share shift, uh, and it's continuing. These companies like TJX and Roth stores are growing at a high single-digit rate, um, whereas the overall retail uh, sales is growing very slowly. So when they're, when they're growing at that rate, they're basically taking sales from other people. Uh, and if you look at their long-term store plan, TJX has about 2,600 locations in the U.S. today, and it sees long-term potential for at least 4,000 stores in the country and maybe more. They keep raising their projections uh, almost every year. What's your opinion but, on that? Because I yeah, hear 2,600, and uh, I'm like, oh, boy, are they reaching saturation? Because I, I see one in every major city I go to. Um, do you? I mean, What's your gut on that? I think they still have room to grow. I mean, if you look at their same-store sales figures, they keep adding locations. They have growing their square footage by usually about 4 or 5% a year. And this, the same store sales are, are still growing uh, about you know, 3%, which you know, isn't you know, tremendous, but it's certainly you know, very adequate. It means that more people are coming into each store, and it means that they're not really cannibalizing their existing business by opening new stores. So it certainly seems like they, they still have room to grow, um, whether it's you know, entering a few markets where they don't exist or just uh, densifying their, their store layout. You know, maybe if they're, you know, as I'll talk about later, convenience is one of their big selling points. So if they're, you know, five minutes away instead of 15 minutes away, they'll get more shoppers. Yeah. So um, how do I phrase this? In your opinion, why is off-price retail so successful? Because, you know, you look at even the uh, the return on equity numbers for TJX and Ross. They TJX has averaged over the last five years anywhere from forty-four to fifty-two percent annual returns on equity. That is insane. That does not happen. I mean, that is like that's multiples of what the average uh, you know U.S. public company does. Ross is still in the forties. Even like you know a Buffett favorite Coca-Cola is in the low thirties. So this is this should not happen in such a competitive business like retail. Yeah. So. So I guess I'll, I'll approach from two perspectives. So, so first, just from the, the value proposition to consumers, um, obviously a big factor in driving uh, business towards these off-price retailers is, is simply price. They offer big discounts compared to department stores, and they, they do that um, in part by keeping their costs down. Um, so they have much smaller and less elaborate spaces, you know, whereas a, a big department store could be 150 um, even 250 or 300,000 square feet. Uh, and if you go into a flagship store like the Macy's store in Harlem Square, you're looking at a million square feet. These are massive stores, and they're you know, very well appointed um, to sort of make you feel like you're you know, having a, a sort of luxury experience, um, at least for the mid to high-end uh, retailers. And you go into a TJ Maxx store, it's very spartan, tends to be about 30,000 square feet. Um, and so there's this big... Um, this big savings there. They also have a more opportunistic buying strategy. So whereas uh, a full-line retailer like Macy's will go and buy 
well in advance. They'll buy a full collection, uh, all the different sizes, colors, styles from a particular designer. Uh, TJ Maxx can go in and find out, oh, this particular designer made too much of something, and they're offering it at a great deal, and they'll buy it. Uh, or a particular thing didn't, you know, they made too much this year, and at the end of the season, the retailers want to get rid of them. So they can buy and pack it away and hold it for the next year and put it out when it you know, comes back into season. They have a lot of different strategies that they can use um, to get fresh merchandise that uh, is still much cheaper than than what the department stores are paying. So how are um, um, Saks and Macy's and Kohl's and uh, JCPenney, how are they getting in on this? Because they obviously see what's happening. Yeah, so um, so obviously department stores see a big opportunity here, and a few of them have already been pretty successful in off-price. So if you look at Nordstrom, that's probably the, the biggest case or retailer that's figured out how to do full price and also do off-price. Um, as of a couple of years ago, Nordstrom Rack, which is the discount uh, off-price version of Nordstrom, passed the full-line Nordstrom in terms of the number of locations. Yeah, I'm sure uh, both our wives love at, uh, rack. <laughs> yeah, also all price sales at Nordstrom have about tripled since 2008, from uh, 1.2 billion dollars to 3.6 billion dollars by last year. And Nordstrom still sees plenty of runway to to grow. They ended last year with 167 Nordstrom racks, and they plan to open um, another 27 this year and reach 300 in the U.S. by 2020. And they also think they can expand that into Canada and you know who knows maybe in the long run elsewhere. So off-price is now 27% of Nordstrom's total business, uh, even though they've been doing the full-line thing since the early 1900s. And it could get up to you know, easily 35% or even 40% in the next five years. You also see people like, like Saks Fifth Avenue has gone down the same road. They have twice as many uh, off-price stores as their uh, full-line stores. And now some of the, the retailers that are slower to get into this business are, are moving in. So Macy's, uh, recently announced a pilot of their new off-price concept. That's going to be called Macy's Backstage. And they've already picked six locations all in the New York metro area to uh, open this fall. And, and they're going to see how it does and test it, refine it, and then probably roll it out nationwide. Uh, and Macy's already has some experience in off-price because they also own uh, the Bloomingdale's chain, which is more upscale. And Bloomingdale's has an outlet business, which is uh, basically an off-price version. Uh, and then even Kohl's got into the game uh, recently. They're going to open a, an off-price concept store called Off Isle by Kohl's, and that's going to be in New Jersey. Oh, wow. These are great names, by the way, like Macy's Backstage and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Respect there. Um, so just kind of wrapping it up, you know, this is The Motley Fool. We try to figure out, um, you know, how to invest for the long term and everything. How do I get in on this? Is there anything to stop this? Should I just buy shares in Ross and TJ Maxx and call it a day? Or what's what's the long-term game here? Yeah, I mean, so I think that TJ Maxx is a best-in-class retailer, and I think that you can't really go wrong with the stock. It's a little pricey, but uh, not overly so. And it's a company that has shown that it consistently grow, you know, it, it sales by 6 7% a year, year after year. They also return a ton of cash to investors. They're buying back uh, about 3% of their stock every year, again, year in, year out. And so that leads to uh, solid double-digit uh, earnings, you know, EPS growth uh, over the, the long term. I think Nordstrom is also a great stock to, to play on this because, as I mentioned, 
Nordstrom Rack has already uh, been really successful, uh, and they they clearly have a lot of runway to keep growing that concept. As for the other chains they're trying to get in, uh, I think Macy's there's a good chance that they'll be successful. Uh, I'm a little less certain about Kohl's. Uh, J.C. Penney had uh, a chain of outlet stores that it's actually sold off a few years ago for a pittance. Um, they sold it for less than what the inventory was worth. Oh, jeez. And the chain still went out of business uh, a couple of years later. Um, and there have been a couple of other you know, high-profile bankruptcies in the off-price space in the past few years. Uh, Sims, which also owned the filing basement chain, uh, had to liquidate a few years ago. And just uh, a little over a year ago, Loman, which was another off-price retailer, they liquidated. So... It's, a, it's definitely a, a very valuable business model if you can get it right. And so I think it's important to stick with the, the companies that are already getting it right because there are others that have shown it's not, it's not a sure thing. You can't just open a bunch of off-price stores and voila, you have these 40% returns in equity and giant profits. Awesome. Very, very good. Well, thank you for your thoughts, Adam. Go catch a Cubs game for me, okay? All right, I will. Have a good one. That's it for us fools, but before we go, I wanted to make our listeners aware of a very special offer. If you found this discussion informative and you're looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor may be the service for you. It is our flagship newsletter started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We're offering the lowest price out there for all of our industry-focused listeners. It is $129 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two stock recommendations every month with insight from our team of analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of this deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Adam Levine Weinberg, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. Fool on.